You're listening to 101.9 FM, KPCRLP, Santa Cruz. Tony Duchesne here, and welcome to Drinks with Tony. My guest is Jenny Bittner. Check out her book, Here's a Game We Could Play, a novel. We chat aliens. We chat alien weddings, Pennsylvania food, OCD, mental health and writers, exposure therapy, and I make at least one immature joke, which is a staple of every show. Hi, I'm Jenny Bittner, and you're listening to Drinks with Tony. Get on the Drinks with Tony show. Yeah. You're listening to Drinks with Tony. I'm your host, Tony Duchesne. Today on the show, we have Jenny Bittner. She's the author of Here is a Game We Can Play, a novel. Jenny, how are you? Hi, Tony. Thanks for having me. Um, well, it's good. It's uh, it's fun that you came. It's funny that I remember volunteering with you at eight two six Valencia. This is probably twenty years ago. Yeah. Wow. Okay, that's where I knew you from. Yes, the um, Dave Eggers project in the in the mission in San Francisco. Right, and then and and I and we may have done a reading or two together back in the olden days. And then all of a sudden I saw that you had a novel come out last year and I'm like, what? Yeah. And here we are. Yes. Thank you so much for reaching out. Yeah. So it, um, how long were you working on this? How long were you gathering this novel to become a thing? Oh, I was gathering it back in those days when we knew each other. So then the novel was a really long process because I had been a poet and then I started writing fiction and when I started writing fiction it was very messy and stream of consciousness and not very together and so I wrote a lot of things and you know it took me a long time to form it into a novel and then I had an agent um, back again 14 years ago and wasn't able to sell the novel at that point so it becomes again just a document on my computer which is not a very fun thing when you when you have an agent and you think you're going to have a book and then suddenly you just have a document on your computer it's not very satisfying so um at at some point I decided I, I'm, I you know I've been working on other projects too I have other other books that I'm working on but at some point I decided to go back to the novel and see if I could um you know, save it, see if I could make it better and get it published. So I did that a few years ago and it was published by Acre Books in uh, 2021. So, so what was it like? So you got it, you were querying agents back 14 years ago and then were multiple agents excited about it? You picked one or was this one agent just um, like, hey, this is, this is it, let's go. And then that was like the best day of your life until you realized later. <laughs> Yes, it was the best of it. It was the best day of my life when it, it seemed likely and they, and she was she was sending it out and then there was yeah, it just it just didn't happen and then it was like, oh my gosh, you know, you go through multiple rounds of of your agent submitting and you know, sometimes it just doesn't happen. So, I guess for people who are out there who are in that situation, I you know, you can you you can, if you still like the novel, I mean, some people talk about their first novel as like, there is always like a novel that you don't publish. And there are novels like that too, that I have 
But um, yeah, if you believe in it, you can you can find another way. Of course, many people self-publish or small smaller presses. So this was a university press that I was really, and I'm really happy with the way it turned out and the cover. Oh, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> someone asked me was I was talking to someone else's class recently, and uh, they were talking about uh, my novel, and they and they said, you know. They said so politely, Mr. Duchesne, I have a question for you. Um, you know, I never would have picked this book up in a store uh, if I looked at it. And and we had to read it for this this class. And I got to tell you, it was, it was such a good book. And why is this the cover? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, you know, I love the guy that designed the cover, but I totally agree with you. It was so wrong. And <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Um, yeah, that's, that's that's not a good feeling. But then again, can't judge a book by its cover. So it sounds right. Like and we do, though, we do. We do in so many ways. We even do as we walk down the street and see people uh, the way they're dressed. We have to judge them or they might mug us. If, if they got a if they got a bulge. And a, and a barrel of a gun hanging out of their front pocket. And you go, I might have to walk quicker by this guy. <laughs> it's true. So, yeah. yeah, it's what do we do? What do you do? You work on the next one. Exactly. Yeah. Gratitude, that weird thing, gratitude, right? But, um, oh, that's interesting. I did. So what was it like going back to your... Um, your old draft and going and going, Hey, you know what? I'm excited about this. Let's do, let's, let's dive into this again. Let's remember, remember the hell I was put through when we did three rounds of submissions with my agent. Well, let's work on this again for potentially more hell. There was a long time in between, like I said. And so when I went back to it again, I was um, yeah, I was like, well, do I want, cause some of the, some of the pieces had been published separately as short stories in uh, the fabulous and Pank magazine. And so I thought at, at times I thought, well, maybe there's other parts I can just pull out as short stories. Should I just give up on the novel? But I looked at it again and I was like, you know, I, I, I like the novel. And so I just decided to, to just go, go with it. And, you know, when, when someone else then is interested in it, as soon, as soon as someone else is interested in it and gives you good feedback or is interested in publishing it, certainly like your level of interest in the project goes way up because your level of interest is like down here along with your ego, like, oh, maybe this is, <laughs> and then like somebody says they like it or interested in it, and then suddenly you have the energy to go back to it again. And so at that point I had other readers, um, my friend Olga Zilberberg read it, um, my sister-in-law, Ariana Susis, and so other people read it and they gave me energy. And then suddenly I was like, yeah, you know, there was a reason I wrote this. There was a reason I liked this. And then the most fun part is when people start like talking about the characters to you and they're like, they're like talking about like, you know, Rose doing this and that. And then you're like, God, people actually see these as real people. And they're like, they're like getting invested in them and interested in their lives. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I've created a character that's outside of me and that, you know, has some interest in the world. And that's a fun time. You know, it's the relationship with um, the, the reality of the character is so important. And it's like, um, 
I, I, I talked to this with my students too. I'm like, that character needs to be so real that you're actually talking to your character sometimes. And then if, and yeah, go ahead and sound like a lunatic. But if something comes up, talk to your character in the grocery store at line, in line, people will get out of your way and you'll get to the front. But this character has to be so real to you that when people real, read it, it's real to them and they take, you know, they, they have a different relationship with it. So. Yeah. Yeah. I've, you know, I'm thinking about like book that I'm working on now. Um, yes. I think it would be fun. Sometimes people have like photos of their character somewhere, or they find like, you know, a photo online of a random person and they're like, Oh, that's my character. Or they just like <laughs> hang out. Like, I don't know. My character would probably be like in a target or something like that. And, you know, you know try to get a picture of somebody that they're going to like keep in mind as their character. Do you, so do you do that? Um, do you have any people? No, but I did do research. Uh, uh, so this is uh, the next book I had that I'm working on. A novel has like aliens in it. And I did some research where I went to a meetup group that was for alien contactees. You know, I mean, this, and this again was like years ago, too. But um and it was fascinating because I went there and it was like way out, like I took the bar like all the way out and then like go to some weird little back of the coffee shop, you know, where there's this room of all these people and they're talking about their experiences. So everyone there had like had some kind of experience with <laughs> aliens. This was before QAnon also. So like, they weren't, they, they were just, they were just weirdos. They weren't like <laughs> right wing radical right now yeah it's just like they just they get a bad rap now some people some people hang with aliens it's fine yeah, you can, yeah. It's a, it doesn't mean anything about your politics no, exactly. <laughs> so anyway they I, I got very involved in the dialogue i mean just listening and i was so like wrapped up in it that i like totally believed everyone and on the bart ride home it was kind of like De, you know it was like deep de deprogramming or like wondering like oh was that real or not because the whole time, the whole time there I I just like they they're you know they're very believable convincing people and you know it's like if you're at a group talking about anything if you go to an AA group and everyone is talking about their your addiction you're very much like oh yeah yeah and you don't like you don't question whether they're actually drinking or not you know and you go to this alien group and they're talking about their experiences and you're like okay, well, this person must have had this experience or else they're insane, but how many, they, you know, they got themselves here. They're wearing clothes. They <laughs> are able to support themselves somehow in the Bay Area. So that's, that's more sanity than, than many people. Yeah. You ever wonder if maybe they were writing the book and you were the person that they were using to see if their, if their stories were uh, sounding true? Oh, that would be a great scenario. Like every, <laughs> everyone there is like everyone there is really a writer and you're all like, writing about each other. Yeah. Right, right. Probably. They're, like, they're all this is great material. These people are crazy. <laughs> I better contribute and sound as crazy as them. I know. I managed to share something. I don't even remember. You know, I stretched a little bit because I wanted to be part of the group, of course. Yeah. Know? Oh, so what do you remember what you shared? <laughs> I don't even remember what I shared. I felt like it was borderline real, you know? Yeah. 
it was border like because we've all had experiences that maybe are a little oh well I probably shared about like so I had a an alien wedding which wasn't which was more probably in the realm, realm of art I would say in that I had this ceremony and I was married to an alien and you know it was it was sort of just for fun and a bunch of people came and there was somebody there who was a a pet um pet psychic um (laughs) who was sort of like doing the transmission between (laughs) the alien and myself and so probably maybe I mentioned that and that made me seem like even even weirder than that but that was just sort of that was just sort of San Francisco in the 90s I think that was par for the course wow no my mind is blown (laughs) so 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 how do you go you know what let's go back to the 90s please let's stay here how do you go you know what I want to marry an alien let's do this yeah I lived in a group house I mean like where where was it at it was on McAllister Street like McAllister Mm -hmm. and so western uh western edition and you know I just had like a bunch of of really fun creative roommates and so one day I was walking home and I found a like invitation to, um, you know, wet, like an old wedding invitation book, you know? So it was like sort of a sample book that you might go if you're looking for wedding invitations and it had all these wedding invitations. So I don't know, I just like got creative with it. And so I made this invitation, like it was for like me and this alien, we were going to get married. And then like my roommate was like into it, you know, they were like, oh, cool. Like, you know, once the wedding and then, you know, creative brainstorming started to happen. My roommate, Marcus Hawkins was a, he was a violinist and a, he was also, you know, every, I mean, half the people were like certified to marry people in under some, you know, back of the magazine type thing, you know, where universal life church, like, so he, so he was a minister too. And then my other roommate was an artist and we got this space. I think it was on Natoma street and there was a ceremony and <laughs> there was music and there people came. My, my best friend, Sasha Kagan was the bridesmaid. She wore, you know, a dress. So it was just sort of like a fun, a fun gathering. And um, yeah. Wow. That's cool. But like so- most weddings, I like, it started out like really, really just like this crazy idea. And then as it got closer, like, I, like I started to get like more stressed, like the, like, like, you know, the stressed out bride type thing, like planning, like, is this all, is this all going to go okay? And everything. And, and you realize like, oh, are we going to have, are we going to have snacks for people? It, it sort of starts to um, uh, snowball, but um, it was, it was a really fun thing to do. And I think that was around um, maybe 1998. And so did the alien have a name? Yes, IG9, IG9. IG9, huh. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the, the song that we played, there was, uh, you know, songs that we played at the wedding and the big song that we played, which is also in my novel. I actually got, I got permission to quote from Calling Occupants of Interplanetary Craft, if you know that song. No, I don't. Who, who, who sang it? Well, eh, the Carpenters did a version of it um, the first version was by um, someone else because I I don't know I've also I've always been really into the Carpenters version, 
but um, it's like about aliens. In your mind, you have capacities, you know, to telepath messages through the vast unknown. Please close your eyes and concentrate with every thought you think upon the recitation we're about to sing, calling occupants of interplanetary craft, calling occupants of interplanetary most extraordinary craft. You've had heard that song or not? Oh, no. Well, okay. Okay. Well, you're going to have to gonna have to listen after this. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the, um, so now, now that, so did you have to get, now, did you do an alien divorce? No, actually we so had you're like, still married. Yeah. We had like a, we had a sort of a, a of a remarriage ceremony too. Um, to spark to make to like because was the spark kind of dying and you're like hey you know what this is just I'm a number of years ago we had we had it at my house and my friend michael zhang he he sort of was the alien he 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 sort of transmitted the alien and uh-huh. it was a party and and my other friend leo gold was the person who was marrying us this time so wow. um I don't know. I think it's a kind of like, um, well, my friend, my friend Sasha Kagan is really into self-marriage. I think self-marriage is a good idea and you can be married to yourself and someone additionally. I also think it's similar with alien. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> What's what, what is self-marriage? I mean, you know, as um, <laughs> what is that? Self-marriage is making just sort of making a commitment to yourself like that you are going to you know, you're going to, you're going to take care of yourself, honor, respect yourself. And you're going to like, kind of come first in, in your life. Um, and you always come first in sex. <laughs> oh, that was, it was that I had the juvenile joke. I'm, I, Maybe I, I'm, you do Tony. I, I don't with yourself. Well, you do. Well, you come first oh, and with, you, your, and you, oh, with yourself. I thought, you, I, thought, I thought you were oh. talking to me about your. Oh yeah. Yeah. You're, 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 you come first and you come last. Okay. In, 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 in self, in self, in self pleasure. Okay. I got it. Yeah. It's I dumb. thought you were making a confession to me about your love. No, life. no, it's <laughs> my love life. I have negative love life right now. So now well, there's, there's no a book called she, she comes first. Have you seen that book? No. Yeah. Well, I, but I, is it, is it nonfiction or is it fiction? It's nonfiction. It's, huh. sort of, it's sort of like about, is it, is it for men or for women? It's for both, but it's just sort yeah. of about what about it's about women's pleasure and sort of um, huh. leveling the pleasure, the pleasure playing field. Yeah. <laughs> yes. People don't know how to do it. <laughs> Who needs a book for that? You, you well. <laughs> well, there there's a as as well as there's an income gap that you know there there is a pleasure gap as well. Like women, women are do not orgasm as often, especially in first encounters with men as men do. Oh, with men. Yeah. That's what, that's sort of what it's about. But they multiple orgasm too. See now, then that's when it's totally unfair. And I'm sitting there going, wait, how did you just have 10? And I even ha- haven't had one yet. And then that's when I get really pissed and I go outside and I make a sign. <laughs> Great. I'm sure that I'm sure that's gonna get you. I'm, I'm sure that's gonna get you far. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're like, huh, Tony? Why is your love life negative right now? I wonder. <laughs> so the um, okay. So self marriage is kind of like going, hey, you know what? I'm gonna take care of myself. It's 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 kind of it, is it kind of a way to like re like go outside of yourself outside of your ego or whatever and just go hey you know what 
or outside of your maybe um what do you call it insecurities i have insecurities so you can go outside of your insecurities and and your worth and go wait i am worth something because i'm gonna present this as a ceremony is that do i have it the right angle on that yeah i mean i think it's just a way of being like what you know what there's so much i mean there's a lot of emphasis on marriage in our culture and i think it's a way of you know just taking that emphasis because many many people are single i mean and they want to have that commitment to themselves first so that they don't feel like that they're searching for something else like that they're that they're in so, that they are in any way incomplete or have not achieved something in life simply because they are not married, which, uh, you know, I mean, I'm sure men feel it too. Women perhaps feel it more. I don't know, but I mean, you know, there is a lot of emphasis on women as women getting married, I guess. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm, I'm like a marrying guy. I mean, when, when, uh, yeah, I was married for many years. And then when I found out I was getting divorced, you know, I didn't, a lot of stuff happened, but one of the things I lost was my identity as a husband. And mm. that, that was a huge loss for me. I was just like, I was gutted because that was just, that was really important to me. And I didn't realize how important just being a husband was, you know, was, so I wonder if um, with self-marriage do, do is, have you seen people who do this and then all of a sudden they're, they're opened up and then they end up in another marriage? I'm not, an, I'm not an expert on it. Oh, I'm not an expert on anything. We're just chatting. <laughs> I, I mean, I, you, I, I think. I'm just that, asking about your friends. I think that, that, that can happen. I think that can happen. I mean, for yeah. me, I feel like I, I, I am not self-married, but I do feel like I went through a period where I was single and not dating for a while. And I, although I'm not self-married, I do feel like the most important relationship is with myself. And so when I kind of came out of that and was like, Oh, you know, it doesn't really matter if I'm in a relationship or not, you know, I'm really great. Just single. Um, that gave me more capacity to be in a relationship and not to feel, you know, needy or dependent or anything. So I, I don't know. I think, I think for everyone, it's always a good idea to just like have the strongest relationship with yourself. Because, I mean, people come and go for better or worse. I mean, yeah. I mean, we all like we all sort of laud these long stories of oh, these people have been married so long. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. But you know, it's also it's also okay. These people happily divorced, and you know, now they're back to being themselves and more in touch with themselves again. So I think either option is great. You know, I, I am a mother. I was never married, but you know, I've been in long relationships and I do have the alien. <laughs> well, they, yeah. Does the alien pay child support? I do have the alien. Um, uh, well, he's not, well, he's, we don't think, I don't think he's the father. Although oh, sometimes, okay. oh, yeah. sometimes I tease with my son that maybe he is, you know, we yeah. All have- we all have, and the the novel that I'm working on in the future is actually about a woman who has a child with an alien. So oh. it is it is a it is an interest of mine, a theme of mine. Yeah. The um, I was gonna ask you another question. I forgot. Oh, it's so cool. I, I didn't know you had a kid. How old's your son? Fourteen. 
wow fun <laughs> oh it's funny he, he didn't he didn't go to school today it's so much fun <laughs> <laughs> what is oh it's not spring break is it no it's 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 called like playing hooky it's called like oh kept on trying to wake him up to go to school waking up to go to school and bug him and then finally i gave up and i just said okay well you know you're not going to have any electro juice today you know there's not you're not going to be able to be on your phone or be on the laptop or anything like that but they're they're all like just totally totally hooked into the the devices so hopefully hopefully a day without that will um wake him up to reality and he'll be eager to go to school tomorrow let's hope you know, I've it's I don't know how kids do it because I'm you know I find myself addicted to a devices and I'm and I'm like you kids back when I was your age we used to blank 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 as I'm sitting there scrolling through Instagram. <laughs> I know. Well, I was talking to some parents about um, yeah about kids self-diagnosing themselves with illnesses that they see on 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 tiktok and evidently that's that's a big thing like because you see you see all <laughs> wow. these you see all these mental health issues and some and a lot of kids do have mental health issues but they also see people on tiktok and are like you know i think i'm autistic or i think i have adhd or whatever it is and, whoa yeah. yeah and there's a little bit of reward sometimes it seems like for people if they're on tiktok and they're like i have adhd and there's and then the blue like button has three hundred thousand blue likes and it's just like you know if i had adhd maybe i can get some of that i remember as a kid and this just this is a hit this is a therapist session for me by the way so thank you so much for you know <laughs> for the free session but I, I just, this just popped into my head. I remember this kid, his name was Scott Marshall. I was six years old. Why do I remember his full name? I haven't thought about this guy for years. He was allergic to milk. And I just thought that was the coolest thing in the world. Six, I'm just, it just, it was like all the parents were like, Scott is allergic to milk. And I, and I was just like, wow, you know, being allergic to milk, I like, kind of really ups your game here. So then, so I, I told my parents, I was like, I'm allergic to milk. And they're just like, yeah, right. Whatever. I'm like, no, really. And then I had a sleepover at a friend's house, John Paul. I don't know why I remember his name. And, um, and so I told his mom when I got there, I was like, I'm allergic to milk because when you're allergic to milk, people take notice when you're six years old. And she's like, okay. So the next morning we woke up and they had all the greatest varieties of sugar cereal that I never, ever got to have in my house. And they were like, it's too bad you're allergic to milk because you can't have cereal. So they, so I had to eat something different. And that's when I realized being allergic to milk is not as cool as it seems. Wow. Yeah. Did you try to backtrack? Did you backpedal? Oh, no, I stuck with it. I stuck with it. <laughs> I actually am not allergic to milk. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm like, oh my God, Cocoa Puffs? <laughs> all, all we got in our house was like bad granola, you know? So. Mm, yeah. Well, the the main character in in my since talking about mental health, the main character in my novel uh, has OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, and she has a fear of poisoning. And yes, so she sort of has like a fear of botulism and mad cow disease and different kinds of poisoning and contamination. And um, I have I have a version of that or, or a kind of OCD. And so that was why 
I wrote about that and it was, it was interesting. It was interesting to write about. It was also interesting because I think when I was writing about it then, and as she saw it then, she didn't have very much knowledge of what was going on with her. And now, you know, I'm much more older and I have a lot more knowledge about, about it, but also it's interesting, you know, seeing like so much more knowledge about OCD in the world because used to like obsessive compulsive disorder like when you see it often on tv it's always like about this thing about just being super neat and things like that right i'm not super neat like you can even like see like a stack of books in the background that tells you like i'm not super neat (laughs) they're not not lined up and like that curtain is like kind of coming down from the ground up up so yeah it's more there's so many different kinds of obsessive uh, compulsive disorder and mine has been like about more like fears of contamination and poisoning and things like that. And um, so, yeah, I think it's, I think it's interesting to hopefully, you know, I have had people who had friends or children with OCD who were interested in reading the book just to hear more about other, other perspectives on, you know, it's, it's not particularly a, uh, obviously it's a novel. It's not like, it's not like a self-help book, but it's all, it's interesting to read about characters who might have, you know, a similar condition that you have. What, uh, and uh, did you go to therapy for it? Like what, what, what do you do when you realize that you have OCD? Yeah. Well, I mean, I did you think- not realize it for a while and you thought everyone had the same thought process. And then at some point go went, Oh, wait a second, this might be something different. I realized it for a long time, um, but I, w- I wasn't really able to, you know, it would, it would, it's, I didn't, there's some people who have it much worse than I do. Like I had it, but then there would be times when it would, it would kind of be better and then kind of come back again, like with a, a new, a new fear. Like you might have a fear about, um, for example, you know, when I was traveling with my son, I had an intense fear, like that he was going to get rabies, you know, and it was just sort of, it's sort of like in a part of your mind, like knows that it's, it's irrational, but there's another part of it that you're sort of like, what if it's sort of like this, this constant questioning. And that's sort of the way OCD is. It's always like, it's like, what if like uncertainty, it it feeds on any kind of uncertainty around whatever the person is. Like some people have um, relationship OCD or they have um, sexual orientation OCD which can go either way. Some people are gay and are constantly questioning, maybe I'm straight, maybe I'm straight. Or some people are straight and constantly questioning if they're gay. And it's more like the not knowing for sure. And then it kind of goes a loop in your head where you're just sort of going over and over and over and again. And, and there, are compul- there can be compulsions, uh, what most people know, like the hand washing or things like that, like a obsessive compulsive, the compulsive part of it. But some people just sort of have the obsessive part where they're just sort of look it going over and over in their head. Um, so I knew that I had a problem for a long time, but I couldn't get like, I couldn't ever totally get over it until recently. So I was in therapy, but actually most therapists, um, and I, you know, for other life things too, not just for that, you know, mm-hmm. for my just like, Oh yeah. I just got out of therapy, like right before this session. (laughs) Wait, I just got out of a session right before this podcast. I I mean, I said that therapy helped me with many things, but it didn't particularly help with the OCD because you really need a therapist who specializes in OCD. And then they do something called exposure and response prevention, which is basically 
you have to face whatever your fear thing is and be with the anxiety until eventually. So, you know, like say if you're uh, whatever you're afraid of, or if you're afraid of contaminating and you're always washing your hands, you just have to not wash your hands and just be with the anxiety. So for me, I had to do a lot do or sometimes you read scenarios of like okay I got bit by a dog and now I have rabies and, da, 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 da. and so you read it over and over again until you eventually are like okay your brain like kind of gets bored with it and your like brain's like okay okay well I guess it, it, I guess this isn't the emergency that my brain has thought it was because your brain is always reacting to it and so then eventually the stress level goes down and then you're able to to do that and I, I, I mean medication also helps too, but the, the, that exposure and response is important. Yeah. I've done, I've done that and I'm still doing it. Cause I, I used to have my, my agoraphobia used to be very bad to the point where I checked myself into the hospital for it because I was just like, I can't live like this anymore. And when I mean, I can't live like this anymore. Um, I have to like choose death or <laughs> get, get fixed. Um, and so the exposure therapy, you know, uh, people may think, oh, well, that must be easy just to like, you know, not wash your hands. But yeah, it's if, you know, if that that fear factor is on the scale of the 10 and you have to sit with it and just it's almost, you know, you have to like just really like it's 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 going into that dark, deep hole of awfulness. And it's the scariest thing ever. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's like all of a sudden one day you can get into an elevator and go up 30 floors. And it's just, and I, I used to avoid, I used to walk the stairs 30 floors. If I had, if I had to go to the 30th floor, I'd, I would walk the stairs oh, wow. and which I probably should now because <laughs> just for the, for the health benefits, but it's just, I get almost every time I get into an elevator, I have a little bit of gratitude and go, wow, I'm in this elevator and I am not losing my mind. I'm actually just bored with being in this elevator. And, you know, it's, we never really know what's going on with the person next to us. It's like, it, it kind of opens up empathy because there could be someone else having, you know, a really hard time or someone else having huge gratitude because they work so hard to just go up two floors in an elevator and not, and, and just almost fall out and spill on the ground because you just, you know, essentially your brain just went to war, you know? Did you, did you do that by gradually going into smaller spaces or just like going one floor in the elevator? Or how did you work up to it? Well, it was a, it was years. I mean, and it was a lot of, um, it was rough. It is, um, the working up to it i i don't know if i was really working up to it but it was just like it was almost like smash cut into it and then i think the oh here's what happened this was i i heard i heard the word used that shifted my concept of my anxiety and my panic attacks which was bravery and the word the word it was was don't avoid the anxiety be brave in the face of anxiety and as I started to shift the linguistic part of it, that's when uh, even now, because it came because the agoraphobia, like during pandemic, which was kind of the worst thing you can do to a, someone who has had agoraphobia is keep them in their house because that kind of brings back the old loops. And I was very determined before a pandemic. I was always outside. I was always like, even if I didn't feel like going outside because I was tired, I had to go. 
uh, just just to keep, you know, to always keep that muscle working. And then, <laughs> and then all of a sudden they're like, and now you get to stay inside. <laughs> it's just like, right, you have to, you're getting like a, you're getting a reward for staying inside. Right. You're, you're a like, good American. You're staying inside. Yeah. Right. So, you know, about eight months ago, I had, a, I was, it started to hit me really bad again. And that's when I got into therapy every week again, because I was just like, oh my God, here it comes. I, you know, I go to move my car for street cleaning and I'm barely making it to my car to just move my car. And I feel like I'm going to lose my mind. And um, I love, I love how they just do. They're like, Oh, let's Tony's doing a podcast. Let's just do mass construction outside of his house. But then, and then, and then again, so it's, I got scared because I was like, wait a second, this is getting really bad. I don't want to be in that bad place again. But at the same time, I had the success stories in the back of my mind. So I knew that, success comes out of it if you do the if you do the work you know if you get back out there and just ugh. well you've talked to many many writers what 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 do you think is what you think is the relationship between mental health struggles and writing um oh that's an interesting question i yeah i you know i think as writers we need to be really more aware of the i guess the human condition and the internal um, the internal happenings of what's going on. And so we probably dive into this stuff more than someone who is an accountant for a living and gets to crunch numbers and go home and doesn't have to think about it. And it's just like, sometimes I go, wow, what a glorious life that would be just to be happy as an accountant. <laughs> you know, Just like, wow, how do you do that? Cause I want to do that in my next life. If there is a next life. Cause you know, it's just when, when, I think when we're doing it right as writers, we we are we there's a there's a book out there I forgot what it was called I read many years ago but it's, they, he kind of mentioned like you're going into the dark places you know it's it, you're you you have to go to dark places but um you know that's maybe it's a chicken or the egg thing have we already been in dark places and then we need to explore it or do we go to dark places and then all of a sudden I don't know it's yeah. I tend to think we've been in dark places and we need to explore it. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think people, anybody who has a difference or a little slightly different brain or a brain that makes it harder to function in this society that we have things that we need to figure out about the world. And so, you know, we go to writing to try to figure them out. And we often only see people who have the same interior experience from as us in other books, because people aren't, shouting about that you know well now people are shouting about it more but like when when I you know I I when I grew up you know we didn't have as much social media and everything like that we didn't have any social media you know we had the library and we had television um and so you didn't really know about people's inner experience and so the way to to, to know I mean like Dostoevsky you know you you see like somebody who has you know intense inner experience and and troubles and mental health issues and everything like that and so whether it's a, a hero or a villain you're seeing about people's intense psychological struggles and then you're like oh wow like for me growing up a small town and and you know this character in my novel is also from a, from a small town in Pennsylvania so that's part of the book of like sort of like growing up in a small town as a weirdo and like trying to figure out um she's bisexual, I'm bisexual, but trying to figure out who you are 
and you know how you fit in and of course any 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 differences are more you know here in san francisco la we can we can be big weirdos but any differences are magnified in small towns more yeah 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 i bet i don't i don't have a small town experience my ex-wife does um and i remember you know going through her small town in wisconsin and boy everyone looked at me because i was not a <laughs> but i kind of relished it i was just like hey what's up oh yeah you know they just um but uh yeah the the you know library saved my life as a kid is and, and on so many levels and just opened me up to it and that's why that's why i is for me everything is the novel and everything is storytelling because it's just like when I when when I was reading these books that essentially got me out of a, um, a religion that was uh, essentially a cult and I had no clue it was, but it was early early days when I started reading these books and I was like, oh my god, nobody's ever had a conversation like this to me, and they and I have these feelings and I don't get what these feelings are that I've never been able to express, but I get but I have a conversation with this author who's talking to me and it just blew my mind. And I was just like, I need to be part of the conversation. And it's just like, I knew I had to be also kind of talking back as a writer, you know, and as a terrible writer for many, many years, but as in, you know, and then now people can judge on their own and go, oh, yes, he's a terrible writer, but it's a, that's a matter of taste. But, um, but it's just that conversation of, uh, just authors is just it's all you know and I guess that's why I love doing this is I like talking to authors and you know as as people and then also just diving into the the books and going oh wow and having that conversation on it's almost like an intimacy that we get to enjoy and also as writers we get to like we get to we get to be in the it's a, uh, I've called it a club of weirdos. It's the only club of weirdos that I feel understood. And I understand as other writers, like that's, those are the, it's just like, and especially people who have books out and it's just like, they go, it's like, Oh, great. How, how did your release go? And they go, oh, yeah. Ugh. and then I, I never got, I never understood what that sigh was. And I'm like, Oh, you're right. Cause it's not the outcome. It's the process. And it's just like, Oh, is that all there is to this? It's just out now. Uh, it's just like I understood what that what that meant when I was when I would talk to my friends who became published and I was just like what do you mean uh, what are you doing but no in the end it's uh. yeah yeah on to the next on to the next the next project yeah yeah definitely um yeah it's been fun having the book out and having having doing events I mean it was hard um, coming out during the pandemic and not being able to do as many in-person events, you know, I, I have done some, but yeah, it's cause it's, I mean, the fun part is doing an in-person reading and having people talk to you and, you know, hanging out afterwards. And, um, but yeah, that, I mean, I did do, I did a reading at Green Apple. I just did a reading at my friend's bookstore in Brooklyn, um, unnameable books and what, what, where, where, uh, what neighborhood of Brooklyn is that bookstore in? It is, um, I think it's in, I think it's in Park Slope. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Because my, it's on Vanderbilt. Yeah. I think mm -hmm. that's, I think that, I think that's, Park that must've been fun. 
Yeah, it was fun. Actually, it was a very, <laughs> it was a small reading, let's put it that way, but um, it was fun. And um, my friends came and they recorded it. And so it was also, it was also on Facebook. And so other people, and then like some, like my Girl Scout leader, when I was like <laughs> 10, sent me a message on Facebook. Good to see you're, you're like, you whatever you know like you have you published a book jenny that's great or something like i don't remember this person <laughs> it's kind of funny and now you know now that my son is 14 and i'm like i'm like the older mom figure um like the, i saw the neighbor kid and he's like a, he's grown up now and i said hey sean how you doing and i'm sure he's like who is that lady? And like, he doesn't know me at all. But like, meanwhile, like I watched him every step when he was growing up, you know, uh -huh. sort of that whole thing of like, kids, kids don't notice, but parent, but adults are, are noticing them and, and happy when they're doing well. And so anyway, my Girl Scout leader. That's yeah. Yeah. That's cool. But, um, did anyone else from your small town get in touch with you? Did you, were you like, Oh my God, why would you get in touch with me? I thought you hated my guts. <laughs> there are some people I mean yes there are some people I mean I yeah they, some people put something on Facebook and were like oh Jenny I graduated in this year and had published this book I'm like that's cool Tony like there are a lot you know it's Pennsylvania it's small town Pennsylvania I, I don't want to mess with it like there are a lot of Trump supporters in that area is all I'm saying <laughs> and is, and what's the proximity to New York um, from where you grew four up? Four hours, four hours. Oh, okay. Yeah. And not by train. That's there, That was kind of like a, by car kind of thing? By train. Oh, by four hours by train. That's not bad. Mm -hmm. That's cool to be that close to New York. I mean, four hours. Uh, four hours is like a world away when you're, you know. Like, oh, yeah. It's a different world. <laughs> I grew up in Millbrae and, and San Francisco was like, you know. Uh, way up there to me you know until until friends got cars and then we got to san francisco then in oakland forget about it i you know i didn't even know that so it's uh yeah when you're young you're so confined well yeah i hope people in the town uh do read it my sister um and she was happy with it there's actually there's a recipe for lemon squares in the book and there's i, I mean you know <laughs> I it's 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 she was she was happy there's also some Pennsylvania food that's mentioned in the book there's a lot of really good Pennsylvania food which I um whenever I go back home I'm, I'm very into the food what, what is the difference with Pennsylvania food um it's like heavily like German influence so it's like kind of Pennsylvania Dutch food like Amish food um we have like we're some kind of like the snack food and candy capital of, of the world. I mean, Hershey's is there, obviously, but like there's all these great like opera fudge, which is this really yummy, um, like kind of buttery center that's then dipped in chocolate, and it's kind of like a, a cream a cream egg. And I was just there. My sister made me homemade peanut butter cups. There's lemon squares. There's Lebanon bologna, there's red beet eggs, which are just hard boiled eggs that you then like you soak in beet juice and vinegar and they become this beautiful bright magenta color. 
And so, yeah, I've been really, um, I, my, my, I have a, I have a fairly new boyfriend, I guess, and I've been like teaching him about Pennsylvania food and <laughs> he's a convert. <laughs> it, I, I was just thinking about it. I was like, I would love to experience Pennsylvanian food. Wouldn't it be cool if there was a Pennsylvanian joint in San Francisco or in LA? I would go. I'd be told. It's just like. That's true. Yeah. There, uh, and we have like a kind of pot pie that's not like the pot pie like that's in a pie. It's just sort of like the, it's like the dough is cut up then with the chicken and stuff, and but not in a pie, but just like sort of cooked in a pot together. It's really good. So interesting. And and so were, were you near Amish communities growing up too? Uh, yeah, I mean, like it's about forty minutes away. Yeah, when I yeah. when I just when I just went to Brooklyn and I went to Pennsylvania too. I when I we drove the train goes right through Amish country, and I looked out and I saw like the most buggies that I'd ever seen. Like I don't know what they were having out there, like a barn raising or something, but there was like literally like you know twenty twenty maybe twenty buggies in a field, and usually, you know. It could have been a church, but they were kind of, I, I don't know. Usually you oh. see, you see, you know, you see a few of them, you see, you know, cause they still use the horse and buggies. Right. And um, you don't usually see that many. And so I, I don't know, I don't know what they were doing out there, but I was, you know, it's, it's so fun. Like you're driving by in a train uh-huh. <laughs> and then you see, you see all these buggies out there and you see the beautiful farmland. It's, you know, it is, it is a lovely, a lovely area. Um, the country i bet yeah no i went i was farmers markets yeah because i was in philly and they have really great farmers market there the reading market and then in lancaster they have like i think it's the oldest farmers market in the united states and there's all the the amish and the mennonites and all the baked goods and they have the seven sweets and seven sours and um I don't know how we got talking about the food so much, Tony, but <laughs> well, that, that, that sounds, see, that sounds fantastic. It's like, I think about Amish and I'm like, yeah, you guys are a cult. I don't want to go anywhere near you, but I'll take some of your food that you're right. I'll take some of that organic, awesome food and give you yeah. money for it. Thank yeah. you. No, I don't want to join. No. <laughs> we well, could go to smorgasbord. You, yeah. When you're in Pennsylvania, you should go to smorgasbord and eat all, eat, eat a lot of that, eat, eat a lot of that yummy food. Yeah. Okay. I'm totally hungry. Jenny, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Tony. This was wonderful. Very varied conversation all over the place from aliens to Pennsylvania food. Thank you. Jenny Bittner on Drinks with Tony. Check out her new book. Here is a game we can play. Next week on the show, we have Kim Dower. She'll be discussing her new book. I wore this dress today for you, mom. And it's out on April 19th on Red Hen Press. Keep reading, keep writing, support your local library, indulge in the conversation of the written word. I'll see you next week. You're listening to 101.9 FM, KPCRLP, Santa Cruz. In your mind you have capacities, you know. To telepath messages through the vast unknown Please close your eyes and concentrate With every thought you think Upon the recitation we're about to say
interplanetary most extraordinary crap Transmit thought energy for 